This is the Drive-In Podcast, episode 62. Take one. Bada big, bada boom. Welcome to episode 62 of the Drive-In Podcast. On today's episode, we have the Express Checkup with yours truly, Dr. O. We have our review, spoiler and non-spoiler, for Marvel's latest, Eternals. Then we have our top billing draft of the greatest MCU credit and post-credit scenes. So use the bathroom now, grab that popcorn, and enjoy the 62nd episode of the Drive-In Podcast. Episode 62 has arrived. This is Dr. O on the horn. I am joined by both Ricky Flicks and Nez. Nez, you messaged us before we started recording. You said you had a dream to tell us about. Sir, you now have the floor. Welcome back. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. It's been a while. I've missed being on the podcast. A couple things before I get to the dream. Um, Last night, Soho fun to watch but really kind of didn't live up to the expectations i was hoping for uh just wanted to give my piece on that was not as scary as i thought it was going to be but still a good movie and entertaining nonetheless um had to give that 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 take by the way so because I, I haven't i haven't been agreed that's a great my, synopsis of my review too like that we were, i think we're on the same wavelength yeah that, 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 what, i thought it was gonna be so such a halloween movie it's coming out halloween weekend it's gonna be so much scarier Mm-hmm. And it had its horror elements, but it wasn't like, didn't like make me mm. like, you know, I slept perfectly fine that night. Um, <laughs> but anyways, yeah. So to the drive-in pod related dream, I had a drive-in pod dream featuring the three of us. Whoa. It was pretty electric. And this is last night. It's pretty electric. So, I mean, basically for some reason, despite none of us ever, like, I don't think, do any of us play an instrument? I wish. I tried to... Pr- teach myself how to play the guitar in quarantine last played the spoons at my sixth grade concert that's it no yeah so no none of us know how to play an instrument but apparently we were playing a sold out like arena show like i'm talking spongebob square pants halftime show vibes like and we were sitting there and we were in the middle Legends. of an arena and we're kind of looking around and we're like we don't know how to do this why are we here and we were like a little nervous but then like they counted us in like one two three i was on the drums Dr. O was on lead uh, on the, the lead guitar. Let's and go. Flick was on the bass, but he was providing oh, the vocals. God. He was providing oh, the vocals. No. Yeah. Was so yeah. I love this. This is like bubble bowl SpongeBob SquarePants. We're talking. Yeah. yeah. All eyes on us. I can only think of one thing to improve upon this dream. Did the rock come in with a face melting rap verse in the middle of this dream? <laughs> no, no. Do you want to know what song we sang to the entire oh, stadium? Of course. I didn't know there's more to it. Yeah, saying, no, no, that would be really cool. I don't know why we chose the song, but we played Walking on the Sun by Smash Mouth. Wow. I would not have guessed. Wait, that that's not like Smash Mouth. Is that the guesses. office? Is that Smash Mouth? Uh, might as well be walking on the sun. Yep. Yep. That, that's definitely Smash Mouth. Big time. It sounds smart. Yeah, that is Smash Mouth. So we played Walking on the Sun by Smash Mouth and we actually tore the place down. Wow. I'm a believer as the encore. I think the dream just cut out after that. I was like too happy. I think I threw, <laughs> threw a jump stick into the crowd, or, like, jumping out. 
Yeah. Ricky we went Flicks out just looking at me in disbelief. Like, I don't know how I made myself sound like that. <laughs> Ricky Flicks just whipping the hair back and forth, head banging, head banging, head banging. I'm just yeah. shocked that I'm a part of the onset. I'm a, I'm a lead vocals. I can't so Ricky, believe that either. So Simple. Ricky, Ricky Fox, I was going to say, if you were in this setting, what would be your, like your ideal song you played in front of like a hundred thousand people, what would you play? Tequila. <laughs> no, <laughs> I can't sing. Uh, yeah, no, I, I can't sing, but I guess I would just uh, go back to the to old, old reliables. Blink 182. Anything blink Ooh. really. Yeah, I would probably, I think American Idiot or Holiday, both Green Day songs. I think Holiday. Holiday, Holiday would, would be, be massive. That would be song. massive. Or you can go the Ferris Bueller route. your attention, please. You can go Ferris Bueller route. You can go Twist and Shout as well. I mean, if given the opportunity, like this is a huge, it's actually a really good question. What song would you perform if, if you knew that you, you could like pull it off? It's got to be one you know by heart and one the crowd can sing along to. So even if like you mess up, they'll drown you out. They'll drown you out a little mm. bit. That's why like uh, like if you were just a stereotypical white dude, you'd probably scream from Mr. Brightside left and right. Because uh, that, that's probably the go-to. But you can still rock out to it. Maybe like a, I don't know, maybe like a Linkin Park. <laughs> Something like that. I don't okay. know what song Linkin Park. I don't know what, would, what it would be though. <laughs> In the end. In the end, numb. No, that, that takes some talent, though. I would not be able to do that. I don't know. Some, That's just what came to Some long notes there. A lot yeah. to do there, yeah. <laughs> I'll be slapping the bass. Ricky slapping the bass. Uh, okay. Well, I love that. that. That dream lived up to the hype. Ricky, if something else to add? I do have something else to add to continue on these positive vibes. So AMC Entertainment reported their quarterly results uh, less than an hour ago on Monday Ooh. afternoon. Movie theaters are back, boys. Movie theaters are back. AMC's revenue last weekend was would have uh, exceeded the same weekend in October 2019. Their wow. October admissions and re- and revenue uh, is almost 90% of 2019 October. Let's go. Like we're on our way. Movie theaters are almost back. Like we are so close. With some of these movies coming out later this later in the year, like Matrix, Spider Man, uh, I name another big time movie. It's gonna Those be coming are pretty out. Pretty much the two, the Ghostbusters. Only two, like, major ones left. Yeah, Ghostbusters next week. So, well, there's going to be so Eternals right now. Like, movie theaters are back, and numbers are actually proving it. And like, it's it's crazy to say. We call that the MCU bump. That's an MCU bump after 71 mil opening domestic opening weekend for Eternals. Right, our review this week and our inspiration for our top billing. I can't wait to talk about it. Like I have so much to say about this movie, uh, I can barely contain myself. And not to mention, like the two post-credit scenes. Holy canola! You're gonna want to stick around for the spoiler section for Eternals because it's gonna be off the hook. It's gonna be crazy. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, we're, I'm, I don't know who's gonna edit this. I might have to cut this down from like three hours to about hour and a half. Uh, it's, there's too much to talk about. All right. With that being said, boys, uh, let's get to the checkup, huh? Let's do it. Let's check the audiences up. Leonardo DiCaprio is in final talks to play cult leader Jim Jones for MGM. In the 1970s, Jim Jones claimed he was God and orchestrated a mass suicide that took over 900 lives. Holy cannoli, what a role for Leo. Next up, Vin Diesel sent an open message to on Instagram to quote his little brother 
Dwayne Johnson asking, asking him to return for Fast and Furious 10. He said, quote, Hobbs can't be played by no other. I hope that you rise to the occasion, fulfill your destiny, end quote. I hope The Rock drops it. Next, Eternals earned $161 million in the film's worldwide box office opening weekend, the second biggest global opening of the pandemic era. As Ricky Flick said, movie theaters are back. Next, filming on Black Panther Wakanda Forever is shutting down until early 2022 due to an injury that Letitia Wright sustained on set in August. Next, Ariana Grande and Cynthia Ervio have been cast as Glinda and Alfaba in John M. Chu's live-action Wicked movie. Next, Gail Garcia Bernal has been cast as the lead for Marvel's Werewolf by Night Halloween special for Disney+. The MCU is back. Next, Gal Gadot is in final talks to star as the Evil Queen in Disney's Snow White film that will also star Rachel Zegler. Next, Daniel Day Kim will play Fire Lord Ozai in Netflix's live-action Avatar The Last Airbender movie. Next, Idris Elba teases a collection, a collaboration, excuse me, with him and Will Smith uh, that is coming very soon. What do y'all think it is? Next, Ana de Armas is in talks to star in the John Wick spin-off film Ballerina. Wow, coming off No Time to Die. Let's go. Lastly, we have Chukudo Iwuji having been cast in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. James Gunn, director of Guardians of the Galaxy 3, said on the casting, quote, after working with him on Peacemaker, I wasn't about to let go one of the best actors I've ever worked with. So I gave him the role most every big name actor in Hollywood ever wanted, end quote. That's going to do it for the checkup this week. Boys, we have Leonardo DiCaprio playing a cult leader. I mean, are we ready for this? Do we know who Jim Jones is? Ricky, what's your instant reaction? No idea who Jim Jones is, but I'm super excited. I am super excited to see Leonardo DiCaprio become a cult leader. You think of cult leader movies, you're thinking Midsummer, you're thinking Waco, that T- uh, Paramount or whatever TV series with Taylor Kish, um, Riggins on Friday Night Lights. And I'm just excited. This is just a prime opportunity for Leo to showcase his skills another time and to become a crazy man. I'm thinking Django Unchained, but on steroids. That's what I'm honestly thinking right now. I'm super excited. This I I heard about this ten minutes ago. I'm still in awe. He Leo's fully back. Like he's absolutely fully back. He's doing rolls on rolls on rolls. He took the he took the break after he won the Oscar for Revenant. All right. Then he's going on Don't Look Up. Then he's he's got Killers of the Flower Moon. He's gonna do the. remake of another round starring Mads Mikkelsen, right? The one that won best foreign film during the Oscars. And now he's playing a cult leader, dude. He is so back. So back. Nez, what are your thoughts? Um, I think this is going to be a creepy, very, very creepy movie. And I'm, you guys have, you guys have to have heard this Jim Jones. This is the guy mm-hmm. that, where that's where they get the, don't drink the Kool-Aid thing right. from, right? He, they all drink Kool-Aid and poison themselves. And that's why they say, don't, don't drink the Kool-Aid. Don't whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this is exciting. I think they miscast a little bit, though. I think they, there's one actor that could have that could have probably done better in this role. Wow, lay it on us. I mean, an actual cult leader, Jared Leto. <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> he he should mean, play a cult he, leader. He wouldn't have to do that much method acting for the role for sure. I think he's just built for it. I mean, I'm just kidding. He's not actually a cult leader, but people have kind of alluded to it, something of the sorts in the past. Um, but I could see him totally being a a cult leader in a movie. Yeah. That's and like, good- and I was going to say Jim Jones, he was a guy who viewed himself as God to his cult followers. And like Leo being the alpha, he is on camera. Name another movie. He's t- 
taking a back seat other than the expected kills of the flower moon where he uh, wanted to play the villainous role rather than the lead played by Jesse Plemons, but he's now he's always the alpha. And this guy literally thinks he's God, right? So I, I can't wait to see what Leo brings to the table here. I'm not too sold on the other aspects of the film MGM. I don't know if Leo's ever worked with MGM before, but the writer of this script, right? It's a very compelling story, obviously, but the writer of the script is from Venom, right? Who did that movie. So that can't, that doesn't get me exactly too excited, right, but as right. long as you have Leo attached to it, like, you know, he's going to make whatever like changes that need to be made to the script and he's going to turn in world-class performance. So Jim Jones, don't drink the Kool-Aid. Oh my gosh, this is going to be electric. All right. Uh, moving on boys. I, I, I was so happy that came up. Cause I was like literally right before we started recording. So I had to slip it in there. Vin Diesel versus The Rock, all right? I feel like this is going to somehow end up in WrestleMania 2022. This is somehow going to be tied in. John Cena is probably going to be in the middle of it. But do you think eventually there's going to be a reunion for Fast and Furious 10 to wrap up the franchise? I think for sure. I think they both know that there's money in it, and I think they just have to settle it over a freestyle rap battle via The Rock because The Rock's a rapper now. Yes, they went by pure vocals, and the we know the Rock can sing from Moana. We know he can sing there too. It's true. Maybe we, we know we know Vin Diesel can sing. Are you kidding? Yes, me? yes. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like I think oh, the Rock they go would song for song. Yeah, karaoke. You have a versus a versus karaoke battle. A versus versus. <laughs> yes, right after uh, the Kanye versus Drake battle, we have the Rock versus oh my Vin God. Diesel. I watched that whole two and a half hour interview. Wow, Just, man. Just honestly gold. It's honestly amazing. <laughs> He's so great. I could just see like the first day of filming between those two. Cause like the rock's not going to turn down a billion dollars. Like this is the most profitable fran- franchise that he's in until like, obviously I... black Adam hasn't come out yet. You know, he's going to mm-hmm. say yes to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I could see him just like actually throwing down against Vin Diesel though. But Vin Diesel's like completely disrespecting him and Vin Diesel. I give him props because he's totally out of his league making these comments. Totally out of his league. He owes his career basically to The Rock. He owes his career. The, the, the Fast and Furious franchise became a billion-dollar type of franchise once The Rock joined. So he owes it to him. And now he's calling him little brother after The Rock trashed him. I don't yeah, know. I could, see um, like a, I could see a couple like takes during the filming. It goes a little bit beyond the stunt doubles. I could see The Rock saying, let me take this one. Yeah, I, I, I think it's great, though. I mean, this is, this is the only arena where Vin Diesel is really running. I mean, it's the, it, this is fast, fast and Furious. So, like, there's no, nowhere else where, you know, he can, like, refer to The Rock as such. So the fact that he's taking full advantage of it, I think it's hilarious. And I think it's awesome. Go Vin Diesel. Good for you, dude. Home court advantage for sure. Home Dom court advantage. No one, um, no one out alphas Dom Toretto. And also Scotty Furious shake is uh he's putting putting his hands together right now, waiting for Fast and Furious 10. I need an in-depth take on this from Scotty Furious. If you can send out a tweet or he just comes onto the pod for a short segment, that would be amazing. I want to hear who, which side he's taking here. I, I assume it's Toretto. Has to be. Uh all right, boys. What else here? Uh, Amade Armas, it's John Wick spin-off series. So we already we're already getting a show, the Continental. Okay. Uh then now we are getting a movie spinoff, The Ballerina, with Ana de Armas coming off No Time to Die. What do you guys think of this casting? Uh, and what other projects can we expect from the John Wick franchise, Ricky Flux? This is just too perfect. This is the classic example of 
just right after you see him right after a movie comes out someone does well even just for five minutes then typecast into another role obviously no time to die on on the armors in that uh and the stunts in that that she performed and the action sequences that she was very good in obviously this is a direct uh directly from that makes sense other projects really i don't know i really don't know we could even i personally even though we'll never see this is like pre like John Wick in his prime, that would be something like the boogeyman mm. in his prime would have been absurd. And like helping all these underlords become like the big, big players in the world, honestly, and underground. You know, under- that's going to happen, dude. But like not with John Wick, they'll probably get someone else. Like as not with, okay, I just call it Keanu, Keanu Reeves, not with Keanu Aaron Reeves. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but uh, yeah, no, I'm excited for Andre Armas. Like, I hope like, Guys, remember, Blonde is supposed to come out like next year or the year after. Like Marilyn Monroe, uh-huh. like we're just forgetting this because of No Time to Die and now this. I don't know the arm is like potential Oscar contender with Blonde and we're just completely forgetting about it and we're just putting her in action movies now. Oh, I did not forget about Blonde. That's the movie that Netflix said is way too sexy to actually release. They had to edit it because it's too sexy. I can, how can you forget about that? Incredible. That's what the ridiculous. Hell? <laughs> oh, it's, it's, and I'll just make it rated that's, R. That's good, uh, good PR for sure. Yeah. <laughs> like it's definitely building up, it's definitely building up some hype to say the least, boys. Um, I, yeah. So, um, Nez, I also wanted to bring up you are a Broadway guy, no? You ever seen Wicked? Big time. Twice. Twice. What do you think about the castings here? I, I own the soundtrack. Um, incredible. Oh my God. Ariana, her vocal range is absolutely uh, not unmatched, but it's top tier. I mean, this, we have a top tier singer in this, in this musical um, that requires you to be an extremely good singer. Um, I see that there's been a lot of backlash about Ariana. I'm really happy with it. I think that she has extremely good range and I'm pretty sure she has some experience either on Broadway or in, in musical acting as well. So I don't really get what the big deal is. I think it's going to be awesome. I think she's going to crush the role. And have you guys seen it? You guys know the story? I know the story. I've never seen it though. Oh Same. my God. Epic. Epic. Yeah. Epic. So we, I, we don't have the luxury of living as close to Broadway as you. So like me and Ricky Fletch, I don't think we, I, I personally, I've never seen a Broadway show on Broadway. Like I've never, never seen that before. Oh my never. God. All right. We're going to have to document that guys. Okay, give me a give me a top three that I need to see Broadway shows. Depends on what you're going for. If you want like production value, like Lion King is just absolutely unmatched. It's unbeatable, but you know the story already. So I would probably mm-hmm. go for something different. Um, In the Heights, I guess you know the story of that one too. That one's good. Um, I mean, Wicked is great because you know part of the story and you know it's about the Wicked Witch, but you don't know it's like like how this all came up. So that could be a good one that you could start off with. It's one of the most recognizable like Broadway show names. I think of Wicked, I think of Jersey Boys, and I think of probably Lion King. Those are like my three. I love I Jersey of. Boys. <laughs> I think of, I think of the other guys every time I hear Jersey Boys. I, got I think the next of that's all Jersey Boys. You know. I think. <laughs> I think our friend uh, of our of our friend Pivon every time I I uh, hear Jersey Boys. Great soundtrack, holy yeah! Yeah, that that mm. that, that soundtrack is unbelievable. Oh, what a night! Um, uh, what else here? I think I had one more thing I wanted to share. Okay, so there was some juicy news that came out with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. It just started shooting. Okay, James Gunn posted a picture of the cast. Unexpected cast member joins Shukuti Iwuju 
Luigi, which is one of the most fun names in the history of this podcast, uh, he is playing a character that is apparently the role that most every big name actor in Hollywood wants, according to James Gunn. Any guesses on what this role uh, is, or do you think James Gunn's just pulling our chain flicks? Uh, I'm not sure. I kind of, James Gunn, he's been doing this lately. He didn't let down like the Adam Warlock uh, sneak peek, I guess you'd call it. He didn't let us down with that. So I guess I'm not, I just don't know what it could be that's bigger than Adam Warlock. I like Galactus is a possibility. Boy, I'm just trying to think of things connected to Guardians. I can't really think of anything besides that, really, that could be bigger than Adam Warlock reveal. Which is, is I, I don't know how it could be. And speaking of Adam Warlock, in that picture James Gunn posted, you have like Will Poulter in there. And I just still can't believe the guy from freaking Where the Millers is in this movie. <laughs> I can't what? believe it. it just, I just can't, I just can't read it. I just can't get a read on this guy. He's looking creepy in the picture, although he's got like the blonde streak of hair. Yep. So we'll he's, see how that he's works. He's been out. to a weight room. But like thinking of like big name superhero movies, like, uh, superhero characters like cosmic beings. I'm thinking like Silver Surfer as a potential character related to the Guardians. Yeah, would he? Would they introduce Adam Warlock and Silver Surfer in the same movie? It seems like a little too much. Mm, that that's true. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. This this is it's weird. James Gunn's getting a little ahead of himself with these reveals, but he hasn't let us down yet. So hopefully, he doesn't let us down with this one. Could be electric. I, I don't even know who that actor is, though. That's, that's the only thing. I can't wait to see him in Peacemaker. I guess it revs up the hype for that movie uh, a decent amount now. Serious, yeah. James Gunn knows what he's doing. Yeah, sorry, excuse me. Yeah, project, I'll say. Uh, any other comments on the checkup today, boys? I, I will say, you guys mentioned the rap battle, but that's not even like the potential biggest music battle that we have on this checkup. Idris Elba and Will Smith collaboration coming soon. And we we talked about Vin Diesel versus the rock rap battle. We could see a Will Smith, Idris Elba potash, uh, potentially collab musically. I was going to say, like, now that you're saying this, maybe, wow. maybe you, got, you got Idris Elba on the ones and twos, and then you got Will Smith going at it. Who knows Welcome what they're, what they're cooking Miami. up? No, everyone's, just, everyone's anticipating a show or a movie. Who knows? Who knows? I think that might be the biggest uh, collab that we have, musical collab that we have here on this checkup. But uh, other than that, I guess just one last thing would be uh, Patty Jenkins. Man, tough year. Tough last 12 months for her. Not just delayed, but not even delayed with a date, but indefinitely. No matter if it's due to scheduling conflicts or because a project sucks or because they have no faith in a director, indefinitely is not a good sign no matter the issue. You always put a date on something because you could always delay a date further, but to say indefinitely is never a good sign in Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, I'm not really shocked by that news just because of the performance of wonder woman two or not wonder woman, 1984. Uh, this, I actually thought this was going to be announced like half a year ago that this mm. has been suspended indefinitely. They say scheduling conflicts. Well, this is because she's shooting wonder woman three. I mean, go ahead, go do that. Like, like if I don't want you to mess up star Wars. Yeah. You got to fix that first. Yeah. Uh, trailer roundup this week, boys. Trailer roundup. We got a few trailers. We had Morbius trailer, a second one we've gotten featuring Jared Leto and also teasing the multiverse of all these Spider-Man properties. We also had Mahershala Ali cloning himself in what seems like Oscar bait in a trailer for Swan Song. And that film releases December 17th on Apple TV+. Plus. Then we had the latest trailer for Stranger Things season four uh, that's coming in 2022. 
Uh, Naz, did you check out the Stranger Things trailer? Oh, he's on mute. He's on mute. Oh, yes, I did. Sorry about that. Um, I did see that. Um, I'm starting to get a little worried. I just, it's like a lot of just random happenings. And like now she's going to go on spring break. And then of course, something's going to happen when she's there. And I just feel like I don't, I just don't know. I don't know what's going on. I, I, I hope it's good because I, I think every season's been good in its own, in its own way. I thought the last season that they had was one of the best, like up there right behind number one, like the first season. Mm -hmm, um, and I'm hoping that they can keep, keep that going. I, I, it seems like a lot of happenstance writing and it seems like it's going to be that way where it's okay. Yeah. They're on spring break and they're in California, but somehow they're going to mm -hmm. still run into the old gang and something terrible is going to happen. Really convenient <laughs> writing there. Yeah. It just so happens. So, um, I don't know this. Like, I don't, I, I don't see how this is going to keep growing into, I guess they said two more seasons. I like, I can't see the Duffer brothers actually pulling this off, but who knows? They like, there's no tease of Hopper in this trailer. Yeah. None whatsoever. None. We know he's going to have an appearance in it. Cause we saw him with the flamethrower in, in the first teaser that we saw, but how is he going to play into this? How is he even going to get brought in and his reunion with 11, I assume is going to happen like the last episode of the season, very last episode to lead but, into season five. I think that is the most intriguing aspect to me because I'm a bit over like the preteen or like the teenage stuff where they go through the growing pains and like she's getting bullied. I feel like we went through that a little bit with the last season, but that's just the age we're at, you know? And Will Byers looks like he's like 40. Yeah, he looks old. He does look old. <laughs> they all look old. He look, it, dude, he's got like a bowl cut, but he like uh, it's got the young kid cut, but it stops right here because his hair doesn't grow down to here anymore. He just looks old. Yeah, I I just missed when they were like season one. Season one was just unbelievable. And I know the season two and three weren't bad. They were like, I think as you put it in a good way, like they were good in their own right. But just to put relative value on it, season one, it's just, it's tough to beat. You just always think about the magic in season one. For sure. They did, this, they did the side by side picture of young Will Byers, old Will Byers. And that's where I was just like, damn, it's been forever. It's like they, they age so quickly because they're kids. They age so fast. It's like one year is like three years for them. It's just, it's just hard to capture that. They're going through puberty and everything makes it tough to like imagine them as their younger selves. Um, I also want to talk about Morbius really quickly. Morbius feels like it doesn't even know where it stands within the Sony universe of Spider-Man like properties. I feel like it doesn't know if it's like, okay, is this going to be a part of the MCU? Is this going to be part of just everything Sony's done with Spider-Man? And you have him hinting at like, like pretending and joking that he's Venom that the same time they have the Oscorp logos from the amazing Spider-Man. So it's just, it's just, and then they have references to Rami Spider-Man with, with the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man where it's labeled murderer, but that also references the MCU. It's all a cluster right now. It's all a cluster. And I feel like it's just going to cause mass confusion for audiences. Hopefully Spider-Man No Way Home like flattens this thing out and gives us a clear vision going into this upcoming movie. Yeah, uh -huh. I think that's going to be the case, but I just think that I have no faith in this movie. I have no faith. I think some of these action sequences look like they have potential. I just, it just seems like Jared Leto is going to go over the top and this is just going to be just a lot of a lot of like clustering, like you said, it's going to be a lot to handle and a lot of confusion. And maybe there might be plot holes. I don't know. It just doesn't look great, in my opinion. Not looking forward to it. It's a January release date. Even worse. Yeah, I'm, I'm sensing a thermometer predictor about to be uh, pulled out 
for this podcast. So Ricky Flex, what are you, what are you going to give Morbius off this trailer? 32. 32. My goodness. <laughs> Holy crap. Go big or go ne- home. Nez, do you have similar thoughts on Morbius? I'm going with 55. 55. I, I like the optimism. I'm going to go even higher. I'm going to go with a 66. Uh, I think it's, there's not going to be the corniness of Venom. And it's like, I think that's one of the things that brought down Venom for me. And I couldn't have as much fun with that movie as it wanted me to. But Morbius, it's, I think Leto, like, it doesn't seem as over the top of some of his characters. And actually, somehow, when he plays a vampire, he seems even more grounded than a lot of the roles he plays, which is so wild to say. So uh, I think I think you're right, but I just I just I don't have faith in the movie. I just don't. Seems like he's taking it seriously, like super seriously. Um, I I, I think it, right. I think Spider-Man No Way Home is going to be a huge factor leading into this next movie and where it's going to stand, right? And it's going to explain right some of these weird decisions made in the trailer and then things in the trailer might look differently once it debuts in January. That's mm. what I'll say about it. Okay, okay, we'll see you after No Way Home. We'll see you after No Way Home. So that's going to do it for the checkup. And that's going to do it for the trailer roundup. We will now move on to our highly anticipated review of Eternals. All right, Ricky Flex, one of our most anticipated movies of the last two years. We're talking around 700 days. We're talking Eternals. One of the most controversial movies in the history of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The first MCU movie that's gotten a rotten rating on Rotten Tomatoes, where it's not being favored by critics alike. So Rotten Tomato score stands at 48% right now. It's incredibly divisive. The audience score. 81% Rotten Tomatoes. The IMDb score, 6.9 out of 10. You could say that's, that's much higher than what is being portrayed in Rotten Tomatoes. Here's the synopsis for me and Ricky dive headfirst. So the Eternals are a race of immortal beings with superhuman abilities who have secretly lived on Earth for thousands of years, reuniting to battle the evil deviants who have surfaced after centuries being away. So Ricky Flex, this is a movie with an electric cast where we're talking Salma Hayek, Angelina Jolie, Richard Matter, Kit Harrington, Gemma Chan, Kumail Nanjiani, okay? Name after name. Maybe the most impressive cast from this year that is filled of impressive cast. So, Ricky Flex, what were your expectations going into this film? Uh, and I guess I'll ask right off the bat, did they live up to them? My expectations were sky high. We did an Oscar bait draft last week driven by this front and tomato score and the divisiveness around this movie. Um, mm-hmm. And it didn't even come close. Didn't even come close to my expectations for this movie with an Oscar winning director and best picture winner just last year in Chloe Zhao, the Kevin Feige saying the best pitch I've ever received for a movie was from Chloe Zhao and Eternals with this cast, the return of Richard Madden and Kit Harrington being on the screen together. And we get this. I don't think it was a bad movie. I should just preface it with that. But did it live up to my expectations? Definitely not. So I would say the same. Like this, I was literally talking about this movie. Like Chloe Zhao, we have an Oscar winner from Nomadland taking the helm here. My expectations were like, obviously, I thought this had potential. We had Black Panther being nominated for an Oscar when I saw a trailer for this and I saw the cast. I'm like, 
wow, this could be something the Marvel Cinematic Universe hasn't seen before. And in many ways, it was. It was a lot different than a lot of movies that we'd seen prior to this arrival here. So I guess, Ricky, I want to start off by saying what separated this movie from other iterations within the Marvel Cinematic Universe? I, I think there are a lot of things that separated it from it, not just from the huge cast, but and also I think the visuals, uh, I think it was there were obviously some great visuals, but also I think it was a lot of CGI. So I'm not even going to say that. I know some people were saying that, but I think it was a CGI kind of took over the visuals. What I think separated for me was just the amount of storylines that were on top of each other mixed with flashbacks is something that we haven't seen in the MCU. And of course, we've seen flashbacks. Of course, we've seen mixed storylines because we had multiple uh, superheroes on the same in the same movie and being in prominent roles. But this one was just so many things going on with all these with the 10 Eternals. And they tried, they touched upon each, almost each one of them to a certain amount, to a decent amount of screen time for the majority of them. And you just knew like, this was just out of hand. They, they lost right. control. They, I, I honestly did think that. And like, they try to interconnect some of these storylines and some of them were good. Some of them were bad in my opinion and the interconnection storylines. But I think that is what really was the difference was all these flashbacks and storylines trying to cram into this one movie. So basically you have the second longest MCU movie ever, including Avengers Endgame and including Avengers Infinity War. I believe it outlasted Infinity War. So you knew they were going for an ambitious movie here. Not only something the MCU fans had never seen, but also a movie or a project that was going to kind of catapult us into this next phase of the MCU, right? With all these new exciting characters, these great actors that we're also familiar with that has us jacked and to, to go sprinting to the theaters to see them. So I thought, yes, the character development was lacking for some. You had a lot of compelling characters that I really wanted to see more of and less of others. Uh, but I thought this would have been better if we just maybe only introduced a couple. Like 10 is so many. And even if, like the obscure characters, mainly talking about like I'm thinking of Dane Whitman, someone that we had been had been shown in the trailers. Probably all his scenes were shown in the trailers. A, a character like played by Kit Harrington, a, uh, a, a Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones heartthrob. And we were anticipating a, a reunion of sorts with Richard Madden. And we only got like what we saw in the trailer. We got maybe a minute of them on screen. So it was kind of disappointing in that regard. And then also we're introducing this whole new story relating to Celestials, who I didn't really understand in the first place going into this movie. The movie did a decent job explaining the aspects of the Eternals, of Ereshem, of the Deviants, but eventually, by the end of the movie, it got too much where I was becoming confused. I, I think by the middle of the movie, I'm like, oh, I got this. Like, I like this is kind of easy to understand. The actors are kind of reiterating and trying to make sure the audiences are following along. But by the time we reach the climax of the movie in this extensive third act, my mind's in a pretzel. I'm like, OK, what am I even watching at this point? Did you feel the same way going to the end of the movie? The exact same way. And I think that now that we we saw it a couple of days ago, and now that I've been thinking about this movie now for the through the whole weekend, it's just I, I've been thinking about it more and more that, yeah, my mind is a little bit in a in a pretzel. And I think throughout the movie, there's also like like the Thanos argument saying why they, they didn't intervene. You could say that with other things that happened in this movie. I know this is the non spoiler section, so I'm not going to say that. But I think that was also in my mind with all these different storylines, with all these different flashbacks and characters, trying to piece those together while trying to 
comprehend this story, the, this movie, uh, this long, very long movie. So I think that also clouded my judgment during the showtime as well. The scale was just so damn big. Scale was so damn big. Not only talking about these 10 characters, but we're going from a movie that starts off with the Big Bang and we're going all the way up to the 21st century. All these flashbacks also kind of, I think, go against the premise that they don't intervene with human conflict, specifically with the character Fastos, who played by Brian Tyree Henry. There's a certain moment we'll talk about in the spoilers where it didn't make sense to me how they said they would never intervene with such a uh, with humans and their conflict. But there is an obvious example of Brian Tyree Henry and his character intervening with human conflict. If Ricky Flicks, you know what I'm talking about, I guess here. I do. So it just makes no sense to me in that regard. But going on with some positives to say about the movie, you brought them up. I thought the visuals were very good, better than I would say. I think it's top tier in terms of Marvel movies, in terms of terms of cinematic experience in terms of visually the set piece there's a lot of practical sets with this film especially with the flashback sequences i thought when they did the conquistadors in tenoctilin that was arguably my famous my favorite shots of the movie but there are other parts of this movie where i was like the cgi is off here especially especially at the end of the movie with erishem and gemma chan i i felt like i was watching dune back in 1984 i'm like how could they allow this shot to happen it, there are some CGI issues in this movie. I think the Angelina Jolie character CGI was good, but if we want to get into the deviants here, man, did they look bad in my opinion. On the big screen in IMAX, they didn't look good. So imagine seeing this like on cable or regular digital 2D, like the CGI I thought was an issue. I didn't think it was like the worst, but when you just saw Dune two weeks ago, and then you're like, oh, Eternals is coming up with Chloe Zhao, who like Nomadland was known for the views. And uh, uh, the other uh, Chloe Zhao, that's literally what she's known for is the cinematography and like Westerns, especially. So you knew you're going to get those sunsets and sunrises, which we did here. But the CGI, the Marvel elements did not work out for me. And no. what's a similar thing that we said earlier this summer? Shang-Chi CGI elements also did not work for me. So there's a common theme here that we're seeing. And they got to sort that out quick because Warner Brothers looks like they're on it. Matrix, the Batman, and like especially with the Batman, more practical effects. They don't have to worry about this type of thing. MCU, we're leaning really cosmic here. Mm-hmm. Really cosmic, especially with the ending of Eternals, right? Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 coming up. CGI is a huge portion of these movies. It is the backbone of a lot of these movies. So if they don't figure that out, it, does, it turns into a very sketchy product on screen. So I agree with you in that aspect. Um, I think also uh, talking about Chloe Zhao and like her effect on this movie, I find her placement as a director for this movie at a very interesting time. So she was before she won an Oscar, right? Chloe Zhao uh, was directing this movie. She had a very distinct vision for it. Kevin Feige was all in. Chloe Zhao wins this Oscar and then this movie is edited to completion and there's reshoots done. All right. Preparing it for this November release, right? Do you do do you did you ever get a sense that Kevin Feige had hands off to this project and was more hands on for a Chloe Zhao? And do you think that kind of related to why it felt had a couple missteps, I would say, within this universe? Do you think that had anything to do with it, Flex? Yes, I, I think it's just the Marvel effect. I, I think that Marvel has to construct their product for the masses and it's a comic book movie. 
And it's also not like a rated R movie or like a serious tone. Chloe Zhao, Nomadland, The Rider. I don't know anything else by her. But those two movies, very serious, no comedy in them. The funniest thing is arguably the in Nomadland is the saddest thing when the plate breaks. <laughs> I know you love that scene. So <laughs> terrible. Definitely the comedic relief here, the comic relief in this movie is not from Chloe Zhao. That's definitely Marvel and the producers on this. So do I think that the CGI and maybe some other aspects of the film or other implications that they have to set in this movie in order to keep this uh, story going forward and upcoming MCU projects had a Marvel uh, touches on it? I do. And I think that it's just that's just what Marvel's too big right now to just let any director, no matter if the person that won best director last year, to just have full control over it. There's too, too many big. things going on. It's too big. So I fully I wholeheartedly believe that. And it's interesting because you brought up like the tone of this movie, because I think that was one of my major detractions. Uh, Chloe Zhao has cited as Watchmen and uh, the Snyder cut or Zack Snyder as like inspirations for this movie. And it makes me think if this movie eliminated half of the jokes it it had, I think I would have enjoyed the movie more. I think there was moments in this movie where my eyes rolled, where I'm like, this does not fit the tone. Speaking specifically, this is not really a teaser, but you have at one point, Gemma Chan, who's a very serious, emotional character in this movie, sitting next to an Icarus, who is very one note played by Richard Madden to my, to like my, to much to my sadness. I didn't want to see that from Richard Madden, but she tilts a phone towards him and there's a old man filter. And when I, and they're like, look at technology, look at this. I, I wanted to just stand up and walk out when I saw that scene. I'm like, how did we, how did you have, give me this trailer that basically made me feel like where I was watching an MCU version of Dune. And then you're doing a Snapchat filter comedy scene that feels like it's built for an eight-year-old. I can't believe Chloe Zhao did that. And then other aspects, I was okay with the comedy, but it goes way overboard. Kumail, I love you, but you got to chill out with the jokes you gotta chill out with the jokes i love this character and i love the bollywood aspect but there was nothing but jokes that came out of his mouth other than the fact he was uh, worshiping icarus at every step he could like you know what i mean were you ever did you were you okay with kumail dropping joke after joke do you think it was a it was kind of going hitting over yet hitting you over the head excuse me almost everybody was hitting me over the head like it was just joke after joke like you said and not only did, if we're going to go with Kingo here, uh, Camille here, we had another Aquafina and Shang-Chi moment in this movie. And I, I think I'm, the, I'm in the minority here because at least everyone on the social media loves this guy. I like liked it, but I thought it, was, I thought it was too much comedy. But like, it's just like, me- right. If you already have a comedic character next to him, why add another one next to him? And then you have other characters out of these 10 Eternals that are prime com- comedic, comedic relief. It's just like we didn't have to add another person that just eats up clock in the movie. We didn't need that. Yeah. It the does pacing, eat up clock. the pacing was just everywhere because you had a one note Icarus. You got a Gem, Gemma Chan who, who basically is one note until like the end. She really. was one note as well. I agree. And I would say the same thing with Icarus, like one note until the, the end, the same moment. I think we're both thinking it. I think he's one note as well. And it was like, then you just add in all these comedic relief and then you got. I don't want to change the conversation here, so I'll, I'll, I'll hold it there. We can go through the whole cast. We could. Because I, 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 was gonna, bad. I, I think the pacing was bad. And it just showed me that, like, okay, like, she wants to make this type of movie, but we have to add a couple Marvelisms in here. Mm-hmm. It almost felt like Snyder cut. You have Zack Snyder's vision. Joss Whedon takes over. Joss Whedon adds that Marvel element. I almost felt like that was going on here. 
right? It would have been so much better if they just went all in on the seriousness. Like there are, there is a lot at stake here and we have a lot of characters to introduce. Let's get down to business, almost like a Dune aspect a little bit. I wouldn't have hated that. I wouldn't have hated that. And that would have been something different for the MCU, right? A little more serious in tone, maybe not as much for the kids. And it already had that serious tone. We we get a damn sex scene in this movie. We get a sex scene. I was going to mention that. We got a sex scene in this on a Marvel movie. How and like could- you, so so it's like not like if you were gonna if you're gonna make it more for adults, make it worth that PG thirteen PG thirteen rating. Make it worth the PG thirteen rating then, right? In other aspects, okay, whether it be by the violence, but get rid of some of those Marvelisms, Marvelisms that appeal to a five year old just to sell a couple of toys. Agreed. Um, going into like the characters here, we talked about some of the performances that maybe we didn't enjoy as much. What, what characters did you like to see on screen? Who do you want to see more of, Ricky Flix? I think this one person in particular that we're both going to say in this podcast is Barry Kagan. My God, was he good in this? And yes, he was like, I mentioned about all these different characters, right? And I think one of the common things leading up to this movie was like, oh, this is going to be about a love story or like, this is going to be about chemistry. Kept saying that. And the Gemma, Gemma, uh, I'm not spoiling anything, but the Icarus Gemma Chan uh, chemistry just didn't work for me. Uh, throughout because it wasn't believable with all these flashbacks and what was going on with Harrington. It just wasn't great in my opinion. You know what was great? It was Barry Kagan and the Speedster. That was actually very good. And Kagan himself. Sakari. Yeah, Sakari, yes. And then Kagan himself, Druig, he was just, he was perfect for that role. He like so, that. Oh, good, bro. The outsider. By far. Yeah. And he like he like I always I was like banking on him being like the villainous type of eternal who kind of um, no who goes no against spoilers. the team in a way he kind of goes against the team but not in the way you expect so I I, I my favorite scene of the movie is his monologue it's not even an action scene his monologue on in Tenochtitlan right during the time of the conquistadors where he's talking about right like we have an we have a job a responsibility to humanity like we need to like uh do what's best for these um, humans rather than what's best for the Arishem, right these people that are watching over this person that's watching over them and make sure they take care of this planet so i thought that was an absolutely electric scene i loved his accent that he did he kind of mixed in his american and irish accent yeah so i thought like i i, I liked it um and i liked his subtle relationship with makari Right. There's the movie is about friendships, right? Some that some, in my opinion, some that work, some that do not work whatsoever. And I'm about to get to one part of the movie. Maybe you have to wait till spoilers. But I liked his relationship with Makari in the movie. How it's like it's very uh, obscure. Uh, I thought Makari. It's first of all, you had a silent character, right? So you have one that's like through sign language. So it's not mm-hmm. one you're literally expecting. They kind of hit it off the bat early on in the film. I thought some of the best sequences of the movie was Makari running i felt like i was getting some flash vibes from the snyder cut as i was watching her and honestly i think she was charming and i I wish that we like she had more screen time in the film it's a little bit tough because she doesn't say anything she's strictly sign language so it makes her hard to be on the forefront the entire time but i would have liked to see her alongside um brian tyree henry as well who only who's who literally wasn't on screen for about like an hour and a half of the film yeah, and I was gonna say if if I had to pick another performance, I guess I would pick his. I thought I was, and you know, I'm not like after Godzilla versus Kong. I was like, oh no, this guy is gonna be an Eternal because Godzilla Kong, he was like the um, this 
like the um the Camille's sidekick in this movie. He was like that, Millie Bobby Brown's sidekick in that. And he hit oh, you right. over the head with that. And after I saw that, I was like, oh no, he's gonna be an eternal. But he was actually good. Like acting wise, I thought he was pretty good. Um, not like a Kagan, but I thought like he actually showed some emotion, more range than other more prominent, pro I would say better actors, but he showed he like he had some range in this. And I I was like, wow, okay, maybe I was wrong about this guy. So Again, like he was also a woman in the window and he was in a couple other misses, but this was good from him. Great in Atlanta too. Like he's a great actor. Like yeah. he is. I, I, I know he has a very small role in Joker, right? Where he works at the, the at Arkham. Arkham Asylum. So, and like, I, like he has a lot of potential to him, man. I'm excited to see his future in the MCU. Mm -hmm. One thing that was also great about this movie was the uh, diversity aspect, showing all parts of the world, all different types of people. We have the first openly gay character in the MCU and so that's a huge representation. I know that was huge for Chloe Zhao. And that's an achievement for her that can't be dismissed either. They're traveling all different places around the world, showing different aspects of histories of different types of people. I thought that was very important. They could have been, they obviously go to one very culturally and historically significant location, but they go into the conquistadors and going to these other ancient ruins that no one mm -hmm. really thinks of, except if you're in like ninth grade and world civ class. No, no one gives a crap about. So I, I respected that and it created some for uh, the best visuals in the movie, in my opinion. Um, I guess, Ricky Flex, where do I want to go next? Hmm. I guess what like, I guess without spoiling it, we should talk about the twist and the ending and the villains of this movie uh, in a way that doesn't give anything away. And uh, so what they did with the twist here, the heel character, right? Who kind of goes against the grain of this film. What do you think of the decision by Zhao and the writers to have this person become the eventual enemy of the Eternals? And do you think it paid off? So we talked, when we were walking out of the theater, me and you were discussing this. So I'll just say the same thing. I think it makes sense. I thought it was good as an execution for the most part. I'll just say it was like, it, it, was, it made sense. I just, you know... I didn't like it personally. And I think, I don't know if that's a common, uh, the majority I'm speaking for the majority, but I'll just speak for myself that I didn't personally like it, but it makes sense. So the very ending with that character, I hate it, but the actual twist made sense. Yeah. They, they were a little too literal with the character. I think, uh, in a way I thought closure, I would have been a little smarter with that aspect, mm -hmm. but I thought it made sense. I was just kind of saddened by the decision because I think there's a lot of potential. There's a, certainly a lot of potential. doesn't mean it's the end of a certain character, but there was definitely a lot left on the table that I think could have been explored. So I was yeah. a little disappointed by that. Plus a very talented actor. I wanted to see continuously in this universe. Uh, but with that being said, I'm really close. I really want to talk about these post credits. I really want to go through some names without like tiptoeing around certain scenes. Uh, last, before we get to our scores, I need to say in terms of like my least favorite Marvel characters of all time, I think Sprite might be number one. She's up there. I think Sprite, it might be my number one least favorite character, especially because this movie, you're right. It's about relationship, love stories. We talked about some characters having more subtle relationships with one another. Other ones, obviously fighting over Gemma Chan, Kit Harrington's Dane Whitman, and Icarus. But then the, you throw in the fact that Sprite 
adores Icarus. I'm like, what the hell? Like, this is out of nowhere. And we don't need another love story being put inside of this story that's already chaotic and bloated enough. Like, did that decision irk you a little bit? Or were you like, okay, I understand. It definitely did. And I think you could add another storyline, which I think was even more apparent, was uh, just the age of her character um, and how she can't change it. And just adding that storyline, like, too much. We, we're just doing too much here, like you said. Like, we're cramming everything in here. Like, if they wanted to do, like, a TV series where we focus on one character each episode or one, like, every – or one century every episode or something, that like we want to tackle it that way, I don't know. But that was – I think that's another prime example. Just, yeah, this movie just was trying too hard and did too much and – really yeah. lost the rail it was off the rails it got off the i like rails. that it was just a complete mess and i love how you said it was uh it was just well i, I like how you said it was just trying to do too much and like it, it really would have been suited as we have this exploration in disney plus series now we are introducing all these different characters we want to make this ambitious film to kick off mm-hmm. this new phase of the marvel cinematic universe after half having movies like black widow and shang chi you really want to make a splash i would it was just just too ambitious. It was just way too ambitious. And now we get, you're going to get your ambition is like growing with this one, with the ideas of the multiverse exploding in Spider-Man No Way Home. I'm hoping for a more contained story, but the likelihood of that happening, I mean, very slim, very slim, Ricky Flex. I agree. So what is your score for Eternals, Flex Star? Okay. Processing. I'm sure. Tr- the post credit scenes something, but I'm not including that. Part of the movie. I'm going to go 59. I, 59. Okay. 59 from Ricky Flex. I'm going to go 69. I'm okay. going to go 69. So it's not the most well-constructed MCU movie, but if I had to go bottom tier MCU, I think this is like the best of the bottom tier if that's a way I could put it. Um, so I think I like it. I, the rewatchability of this, I will rewatch this movie more than Black Widow. I will rewatch this movie more than Shang-Chi. And I think I am factoring in these post-credit scenes. I am factoring most of my favorite performances from Akari and Barry uh, Kogan. I think that's how you pronounce it. It's actually Kogan. Really? But I believe it's Kogan. You know, he's Irish. And I, I kind of like, I looked it up as we were talking. So Barry Kogan, um, I like where this future is headed. I think visually it was fun to watch. CGI kind of got in the way. I like seeing these characters interact. I don't mind a bloated runtime, but the third act did take literally an hour and a half. Let let it be known it's a Marvel movie. And it had me excited as watching. I guess I might have some overexcitement to this, but I'm going to stick with a 69 out of 100 before we head into spoilers here. Well, let's do it. Let's, Let's jump in. All right, this is your warning. If you're listening to the Eternals review, we're about to jump into two of the greatest post-credit scenes in the history of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This is your last chance to skip ahead to our top billing draft of the best MCU post-credit scenes. All right, Ricky Flex. Let's go with the post-credit scenes. Okay. We're going to talk about both of them. I saw the first post-credit scene. And after I saw the post-credit scene, I was in awe. I was in absolute awe. I was shaking Ricky Flex because I couldn't believe what I was looking at. I didn't think it was real. But we have the introduction of none other than Pip the Troll. 
played by Patton Oswalt, who introduces Thanos' brother, who is known as Eros, who's also known as Star Fox, who looks like he will be helping the Eternals find the characters that are stranded or that are taken by Arishem following the last actions of Eternals, and that is Harry Styles. Harry Styles is officially in the MCU, Ricky Flex. We have his performance in Dunkirk. He's going to be in Olivia Wilde's Don't Worry Darling. He's arguably the biggest rock star on the planet. And now he is one of the highly anticipated Marvel heroes in, heroes in the upcoming phase. Were you taken back by this? What was your reaction, Flex? So, uh, audience here, a few episodes ago on our checkup, we mentioned how some big J's, some big journalists in the industry spoiled some of Eternals online. Spoiled it. And not just journalists, also big Instagram pages and Twitter pages, uh, movie pages, also spoiled it from these journalists, and they condoned it and promoted it itself. This is one of the things that was spoiled for me. Insane. I do. I couldn't believe it. I looked at you and I said, do you know this? And he said, sadly, he was like, Ricky looked like he just lost his best friend. He's like, yes, yes. So and meanwhile, I'm like, I'm like a kid. Like, I'm like, oh my God, Harry Styles. Like I'm a freaking 16 year old going nuts when I saw it. It's just, that's why I just, the, the big J's out there. I'm not a big fan of any, almost any of them. And it just pisses me off. Like this was literally spoiled for me. Cause it's like out of this whole movie, there was a, obviously you're listening to spoilers. Like you saw a bunch of like a bunch of twists in this movie, but this is the easily the biggest thing to happen in this movie, and probably the biggest thing that's Huge. happened in the MCU in a movie theater since Endgame. This post credit teaser, what made my twenty dollar IMAX ticket worth it? Yeah, and I also no way home. Sorry, or far just from home. made it absolutely worth it. And like seeing him, he looked perfect in the suit. My God. And Terry Styles, like Eros, but you know his background of his character. Do you know his character, Ricky Flex? Eros, other well, than the fact that his brother. Uh, well, he had the spear, right? The golden spear, similar to what Ayak had. So he probably communicates with a, a celestial. Yep. Um, what else? He's god of sex. Jesus. He's a god of sex. I've been perfect In casting. <laughs> it's like, like he's a sex icon. Right? No wonder he, he, he calls out Angelina Jolie when he first enters the first thing he says. Oh, yeah. No, they locked eyes for sure. They locked eyes for sure. But having him here, Pip the Troll next to him. Pip the Troll. You know who Pip the Troll's traditional sidekick is, Ricky Flex? Uh, no, no I, I have a guess, but... What's your guess? Well, <laughs> it'd be funny. Thanos. Adam Warlock. Uh, Adam so, Warlock. Yeah. so what? So we know Guardians of the Galaxy 3 just started filming. What are the odds Harry Styles makes his debut, not in a post-credit, but in an actual film in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? What are the odds? Looks like he has some comedic elements to him, and it looks like he's got that cosmic eccentricness that could kind of go with it. You're making sense. You're making sense. And what if James Gunn, James Gunn being able to write the God of Sex in his script, <laughs> he's, he's going to try to do that any day of the week. Every day of the week, like imagine like him like interacting with Gamora, and then you have Peter Quill on the side trying right. to match like Star Fox, like like similar almost in right, Infinity right. War. Like yeah, I yeah. think that would be genius. Yes, definitely. And just thinking about this, because I got a question over the weekend saying, "How is this possible? 
how is Thanos, this grimace looking 10 foot behemoth related to this guy? But Thanos has the deviant gene, right? Yeah, he's like a deviant gone wrong or something. So, okay. Which I'm going to go off the post credits for a second. I'm going to go to the actual movie. Do you know what the deviant, like the Bill Skarsgård deviant looks like to, to me? Oh, Crow? Yes. Uh, a little bit like Thanos. No, but he also looks like um, he's got that red on him. Those oh. stripes. Okay. Well, oh, go, sorry, I was going to say. Go ahead. Is there air? You don't know. <laughs> Galaxy Quest, those people on that oh, planet. The animals? Yes. Yeah. His head <laughs> looked exactly like those babies and people there. Right. You're right. <laughs> Yeah, I, I thought that character was underutilized in this movie, too. I thought there could have been a little bit more um, focus on that character because we didn't really get much yeah. of that character until, like, I would say 60% through the movie. And all of a sudden it became a huge focal point to Thena's character at the end. I don't think that was very well done either. Yeah. But I like I, I in Bill Skarsgård, a, a sneaky way to add him in there into the MCU. You could have, like, kind of, I don't know, maybe you could still And have he's him. gone. You can be still make him in another role in this movie, but like you're the voice, like you're you're in the MCU, so it's kind of tough to get recast. Although we just see, we just saw Gemma Chan get recast. Do you think it's too early for Styles though? We only seen him in Dunkirk, very minimal role, one that I'm not too high on as much as other people. I thought like he was pretty average in it. But do you think he's ready to take on a superhero movie, or does this say like what his acting chops are? And like, don't worry, darling. That's what I think it is. It has to be. Um, Florence Pugh is in that also just a new of a new Marvel superhero it that has to be good if it's not then I'm gonna put serious doubts because Dunkirk like sure he was in that movie but you know like my thoughts on that I don't think he was anything special in Dunkirk I don't think he was bad um but he's bad either just I just think that it's I'm okay with it just because of how big of a star he is and it just it matches. It matches the character, like you mentioned, and his persona. He has it. He has the charisma of a rock star. He could be the god of sex in a Marvel movie. Yeah. Well, it just he just fits the vibe. Like he's not going to be a core Avenger. So like I think this is fine. Who knows how his career takes off? Like Star Fox does like converse with the Avengers. Like he's he, in the comics. He's a big part of the Infinity Gauntlet saga. So it's makes uh, interesting. sense with Thanos. So I wanted to like see him like interacting with like Adam Warlock. That could be electricity. Like that. Will cool. Poulter next. Will Poulter, next the guy Harry that Styles. got bit in the nuts by a spider or whatever the heck, <laughs> next to Harry Styles, the god of sex. Yeah. Uh, I guess we should move on to the second post credit scene because I thought after the first post credit scene, I literally tweeted out from my seat. I said this. Uh, I said go see Eternals. It might have the best post credit scene of all time. And then I saw this second scene, and I said. Uh, underneath that tweet we might have the two best post-credit scenes of all time uh so obviously we knew dane whitman who was underutilized in this movie or just not even used in this movie pretty much other than for a facetime for about 30 seconds why didn't you intervene with thanos <laughs> like such a good accent but you have him playing dane whitman we know if you're an mcu fan dane whitman becomes this character black knight so the black knight they mentioned the ebony blade. The ebony blade uh, was brought up by Sprite in conversation during the film. The ebony blade gives powers to Dane Whitman when he be- uh, as he grabs it, it becomes the Black Knight. The post credit has Dane facing the sword. He goes to grab the sword, but before he grabs it, there's a distant voice in the background 
talking towards Dane saying, are you sure you want to do that? Mr. Dan, uh, Mr. Dan Whitman, Mr. Whitman, excuse me. And that voice has been confirmed as none other than Mahershala Ali. You have two major actors kicking it and firing, launching themselves, sorry, into the MCU with these two post-credit scenes. We didn't get to see Blade, but if we saw Blade, I don't know if I could handle it. If I actually saw him in the black and the glasses, I don't know if I would have been able to handle it. Ricky, what was your reaction after hearing Mahershala Ali's voice? Yeah, if we saw Mahershala Ali dressed up as Blade, that would rival the Harry Styles entrance for me. I, I love Mahershala Ali. I love Blade. So that would have rivaled it. But just the voice, but still great. And the, just the fact, you sure you want to do that, Mr. Whitman? Like, that was such a good line. And he's just, his tone and his voice is just so perfect. And, ah, man, I'm so excited to see Blade. You have no idea. It was one of my top five most anticipated Marvel projects from Disney Investor Day last, uh, last year. And then this yep. Friday, the 12th, is this year's Disney Investor Day. Do we get a sneak peek of Blade now? Wow. Do we get like a still, a, a photo of him in the in the cape and the, like donning the jacket? And that, like, has it started filming? I don't know, but maybe we get a still of him like just dressed up in it. Like, I don't know. It's got me excited for Disney Investor Day. It's got me excited. A little screen test. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess the only other thing is that, all right, Kick Harrington, show or movie. Maybe he's just going to be in Blade. That's it. You think that's it, John Snow? I don't know. We got nothing from him. We had no. I have no. I have no anticipation for this character other than the fact that he's associated with Blade, <laughs> right? Like, like there was not enough in this movie where I'm like, okay, okay give him a show. No, they didn't even provide well, definitely. enough of the backstory of the character. Like, I'm just saying, like, mm-hmm. yes, I would love to see Kit Harrington in a series. Definitely not a movie. He doesn't deserve but, that. There's too too much other stuff going going. What too much other projects going on right now for Marvel? Hmm. I just don't think it's red. It's, okay. It's okay. So is do you think it's possible he's in Blade, and then they go all right TV show or movie? Yes. Okay. TV show. And I guess just for I guess the audience here, he's a, he's a descendant of uh like someone like a squire for Lancelot like. Can you kind of like clear that up? So I know the person that is, that, so he is uh, taking the blade from a line of um, people that have been the Black Knight before. I think in the comics, he actually takes it from a professor. In mm-hmm. this movie, they're kind of saying like it was his uncle that was Black Knight. That's what they're kind of hinting at. So I, that aspect, I think it's kind of like ancestral in a way. Um I know he is a he's a professor in the movie, right? Or he's a teacher, a professor. It, well, he's like teaching for Gemma Gemma Chan. Oh, he also he, he works at a museum though. Yeah. So he must, yeah, must be a part-time professor or something. But like yeah. that part was not explained well whatsoever. They brought up the Ebony Blade once and it was Sprite who was talking about it. You didn't even feel a connection from for Kit Harrington went way in, over in your that head. museum. Like, like it literally just like it's like it didn't happen. You forgot that Gemma Chan even worked for that museum or as a teacher, like with Dane Whit, uh, Dan, Dan, Dane Whitman. Like it was just, yeah. Like it's just like a blow by, you know. So I don't think that was established enough. I think if he shows up in a movie with Blade, right, has a little more screen time, then that you can establish that role in a show. But once again, it's Kit Harrington. Like he's one of the kings of the history of TV. I wouldn't be surprised if the game is serious. Pop I just culture. Don't think it's deserved. Yeah, I just don't think it's deserved yet. 
Yeah, me neither. Do you want to do a couple spoilers, non post credit scenes here? Yeah, sure. Why don't you fire away? What do you want to okay. talk about? So, Dr. Rowe, this is a big thing here. So, what in response to the, the point of Kit Harrington in this movie is basically just to ask Gemma Chan, like, why didn't they intervene with Thanos? What did she say? They were told not to by her. Oh, we have to talk about this, yeah. Because their only thing was to not intervene, but and the goal is to increase human population. That is their goal. And they're not they're told not to intervene. But when you are the opportunity to erase half of human population, they're not supposed to intervene still? They're not supposed to? Harrison wouldn't do anything? I'm telling you, that is the biggest load of BS, and no one's talking about it. Why is anyone only, talking about it? And not only that, but like when the flashbacks kind of lost their effect, it's the flashback to World War II with the helping of the development of the atomic bomb. Yes. Like you are wiping out tens of millions of people right now by it doing this ridiculous it just, it just goes against what you're saying the entire movie like that flashback was not effective you want to show fast has lost faith in humanity choose it in a different way bro do it in a different way just say like i i had the opportunity to stop them and develop something else that would have like ended world war ii but don't say i developed the thing that killed millions of people like that like that to me does not work that does Doesn't not work at all it's Honestly, disrespect. They keep they almost. keep saying like, we will is. we will not intervene on these like with human conflict. Yet, what do they do every time in these flashbacks? They're intervening with human conflict. Yeah, like <laughs> I just hate how they were like in the trailers. They made sure to include like, why didn't you intervene with Thanos? And they made it such a big thing. And they were trying to sell us that like, oh yeah, like they got this. Like they couldn't touch like do like uh, do you- intervene at all. And especially with. Thanos is an eternal himself or an eternal's deviant. The fact that they did this and were just so hypocritical and that no one's talking about it on social media just pisses me off. I think Avengers Endgame and the consequences of it, or excuse me, Infinity War, has caused a curse in the MCU where every project that now follows Avengers, Infinity War, and Endgame has to address what happened during the blip. The connectivity is too strong for all these projects that people and the fans will be asking, what did they do during the blip? How did they respond to the blip? Spider-Man far from home. All these characters were lost and came back at the same time from the blip has to be addressed. Eternals. You want to introduce all these groups of characters? Well, why weren't they, why weren't they there during uh, Thanos wiping out half the universe? It's created an issue in terms of writing for the MCU in terms of the believability. I know it's already, it's a, we're talking about a fantasy franchise, superhero franchise but it's caused a a need to like go around these hoops and these obstacles in order to tell these stories from these characters that all these fans want to hear right what do you think about that ricky flex do you find the blip as kind of a deterrence to the mcu it is it's it completely is i think that's one of the smartest things you've ever said on this podcast and i think that is a problem going forward but i do think that in due time maybe after this wave this phase of the mcu going into the next phase it's going to be like an afterthought as in like, it's going to be like 10 years later and no one's going to be talking about the blip in the same circumstances, not the same amount of time uh, dedicated to the explanation of the blip or during the blip and after the blip, it's just going to be, all right, it happened this one time, but we're so far removed from from it. It's just going to be an afterthought. We're going to keep moving on with Marvel movies and shows. I'm a little, I'm a little nervous because we're getting into this age of obviously these obstacles that, Writers are jumping over, but also we're introducing the multiverse 
confusion for fans might go through the roof following Spider-Man uh, No Way Home. I'm really nervous for that. I don't know if it's going to serve as some sort of a reset once this multiverse happens or else like the what happened during the blip doesn't matter. This might be a way for them to kind of get away from that. But I am concerned of the connectivity, fans obsessing over it, and all of a sudden the universe not making sense. It's almost too big, right? It's yeah. almost too big where they, it's like something beyond what they can handle. It has me very nervous. Definitely. No. Um, any other thoughts before we close up this review of Eternals? Okay. Another big thing. Go. I know this is a long review, but the ending. Two things with the ending. One, Icarus going into the sun. What the heck was that? What a waste. I know there's multiple of him throughout the universe, but what a waste. What terrible, like Richard awful Madden. choice. Awful choice. Honestly, I should I should deter my score just for the thought of doing that. Not like if they didn't do it, but they thought about doing that. Come on. How about you Blue just kill him instead? The sun. Ridiculous. And also, by the way, uh, that final fight sequence, it had me a lot of Snyder Cut vibes with um, uh, Superman against the Justice League. My God, yeah. Icarus would, dem- like, you could, you would demolish them. Like, that is I not... Can't, I, I'm surprised that Fastos was holding him down for the amount of time yeah. that he did and hold he him all down. of a sudden got like, powers you, like, you, like you, that? You can't, you, you can't use your eyes? Like, you can't just, like, shoot right. people with your eyes still and then, or, like, get out of this? Right. And then... um. Like he doesn't have super, like he has super speed. He can fly. So why can't he like uh, Akari, like just stop her like Superman did? That's where you have the problem. You can't mention him in the same realm as Superman. They refer, referred him as Superman wow, in this did, movie. They Superman. And can you tell they me did. you couldn't do that? Mistake. No, you're DC. You let you say you like Zack Snyder, uh, Chloe Zhao. Watch the Snyder cut again. But I'm I'm surprised I'm surprised Foggy let that reference fly. Ridiculous. Then the my bigger issue is the very ending with Harrison. You're telling me he could just grab these Eternals and punish them. Why couldn't he do that during the whole Celestial upcoming and just make this? We wouldn't have another movie. We wouldn't have any post-credit scene. It'll be I over. I, there's like, I thought I was following the movie closely enough when, she, when Gemma Chan, Cersei freezes over, right? This, like this, emer- the emergence. I thought immediately Harrison was going to come down. There's going to be a huge fight. Or you're gonna have Druid do something. An at even no longer movie. I, at no point did I think it was over. I was like, "Where is Arishem?" And I was like, "Oh, wait! All of a sudden, this movie's ending." And then Arishem showed up right at the end. This movie could have ended in like three different moments. And yes. as I said before, the third act was an hour and a half long. It was like, like I didn't mind it. I love long superhero movies, but in terms of making a cohesive movie, doesn't exactly work. Doesn't exactly work. So I, like, I was expecting a comeback of sorts, but you bring up a great point. Why didn't he just like pull them and say, hey, cut that out? <laughs> like, yeah. We need this to happen. We need the celestial. Yeah. And again, like I know we're kind of bashing it right now, but and like the Rotten Tomato score says it's lower than my score. And I know I had a lower score than you and a, a lower score than me by a considerable amount, to be honest. But the audience score is still pretty good on this now. Like people a- like a- this 81. movie. Yeah, that's pretty good. Like, so, uh, you know what, Ricky Flex? When I think of like Rotten Tomatoes, people are always like, they like to bash on the critic score. It's more about what the audience thinks. Critics don't know anything. And then I think about when people say that. Okay. These people who are critics, they've gone to school. They study films for a living. And this is their aggregate score of whether they think positively or negatively about a movie. Right? So if these people who are trained to review movies have done it repeatedly through their uh careers it's their profession people are like we should trust the audience more yo audiences are dumb dude 
<laughs> yeah. Audiences aren't smart. So I don't like hearing where we just care about the audience score. Why do you care about anyone's score? Like, yeah, why I, you, you know what I mean? Why, I like, think, why we, I think you bring up a good point, but I think the reason why I don't like Rotten Tomatoes is because it may like, except us. Cause like we have a movie podcast for God's sakes. We watch a lot of movies. It deters people from seeing movies or it makes people see movies or flashes their judgment. That's why I don't like Rotten Tomatoes. And I think in like, I think a lot of times, like, yes, the positive or negative on either side, audience or critics, but just the fact that it makes you see a movie or not see a movie is ridiculous. So I, that's my issue with it. And people think like, oh, 40 out of 100, that is like a score for a movie. No, that's just positive. That's just a sentiment for a movie. 48 people had a positive reaction to this movie. Yeah. You know? So Ricky Flex, I, I'm, I'm looking at the lowest scores in the history of the MCU Rotten Tomatoes wise. And I want you to tell me if you think Eternals is better or worse. Isn't it? Wait, wait. I thought Mar- just to make no, this No, I want you to know for your opinion. Oh, okay. Got it, got it, got it. So like this is the Rotten Tomato score. Is the movie better than the movie I'm listening? So is Eternals better than the lowest score Thor The Dark World? Is it a better is, movie? It is better. It is better. Incredible Hulk. Is it a better movie than The Incredible Hulk? Yes, but I haven't seen it, it in a, a while. Is it a better movie than Iron Man 2? Yes. I think so too, but barely. Yeah. I think so too, but barely. The next one, Avengers Age of Ultron. No. I don't think so either. Avengers Ultron definitely has its flaws too. James Spader's awesome. Thor. I'm a Thor. I'm a Thor guy. You're a Thor guy. I think it's right on par with Thor. Iron Man 2, Thor. I put in that same level. Iron Man 3. This is better than Iron Man 3. And I I know. Yes. People People like Iron Man 3. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'll I'll do two more. Two more, Ricky. Actually, let's do three more. Eternals, better or worse than Black Widow. I know I scored Black Widow higher, but I regret doing that. I, reg- I I also scored it higher. I think I was right around. I think I gave it a 70, to be honest. But I, I gave it a 60. I I think Black Widow is a better movie. What, what would I rather rewatch? Eternals. Easy. Um Cap Captain Marvel. This. Eternals. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, this and is Eternals. Yeah. I will finish with Captain America, the first Avenger. First Avenger. Me too. Oh, okay. wow. Really? I thought you don't yeah. like First Avenger. No, no, no. That's Nez. That's Nez. That's oh, Nez. Okay. No, no, no. I don't, dis- I don't disrespect America like that. No, 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 no. No. And this little teaser for our uh, post credit draft. Um, yeah. But like right after that, it's like Ant Man's the next one. We won't go through the entire thing, but I wanted to go yeah, through the. I think you named movie. all the controversial ones that around like bottom tier Marvel movies. Is it better than? So I say, I think it's a top tier of the lower tier Marvel movies. That's how yeah. I would describe this movie. No, you're, you're spot on. Okay. So that's going to do it for our review of <clears throat> Eternals. Next week, make sure you turn into our draft or double review of The Harder They Fall and Red Notice to Netflix drops okay make sure you turn in tune in to the pod and youtube for those reviews we're now going to move on to our highly anticipated top billing of the greatest mcu post-credit and mid-credit scenes top billing of the best mcu credit and post-credit scenes one of the staples of the marvel cinematic universe this is in this is with inspiration from Eternals and the two electric post-credit scenes, one that made me hop out of my seat and start shaking Ricky Flicks. Let's get to the draft. I think the parameters are pretty clear. 
They got to come after the movie for any of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. All right. And that includes the Marvel uh, Cinematic shows that have debuted on Disney Plus. So there are plenty to choose from. I know we only have 15 slots. Let's get with the, uh, the spin cycle here. Ricky Flux decide who's going first, second, third. Wait, sorry. Are Eternals post-credit scenes not we count? We cannot count those because those are spoilers. Okay, sorry. Just cl- clarify. All right. So wheel names. I wish we could. Spinning. Can you guys see my screen, by the way? I see it. I see it. For once, you're actually showing it. All right. And I got the first pick, of course, when I'm showing it. Um, Ricky Flicks the with the number pick. one overall pick. Okay. Doctor. I will take the third pick. I will take the third, and as we'll have the second pick. I thrive in, in position two. You do love to have position two. You do love position two. I love it. Who does number two work for? All right, Ricky Flicks. Number one overall pick. Marvel post-credit, mid-credit scenes. What is your top choice? Okay, so I have a bunch that... I have a few that I consider very, very good. But there's just one that I've never been so shocked in. And I I wasn't necessarily happy walking out of the theater, but it is clearly the best, in my opinion. Far from home. Far from home, J. Jonah Jameson coming up in Times Square saying Peter Parker, Spider-Man, Mysterio, that whole mess. And that was where we're going to get into it. No Way Home. Far from home, my first pick. Wow. Wow, Ricky. I did not see that coming. It was on my top three. I did not have it as my number one. Uh, I've actually never seen Far From Home in this scene more than once. I saw it in theaters and I haven't seen it since. I don't oh. have cable. I don't watch it on FX. I, like, I, I, I don't have cable. So mm-hmm. I did see parts of it when I was house sitting for, my, for my, our parents this weekend. And uh, I fell asleep during the movie. So I didn't get to see the post credit. Uh, movie's overrated, to be honest. But that post credit, it gave all the hype for the next Spider-Man movie. And it's a throwback to the Raimi. Uh, Spider-Man hinted at this multiverse. Right, the first time we got these ideas, no one believed it, but look where we are now. Hype around it because of it. That's why it's the best. Where was this one for you, Nez? This one was in this one was about top five for me. This was this is a great one. His cameo was shocking in the theater. Obviously, nobody was expecting it to be him, if if anybody. But then also the fact that they're revealing Spider-Man's identity, which never really has happened before. So it was shocking and it was fun. Right. Like Iron Man vibes, end of mm. Iron Man, where he's like, "I am Iron Man." Except, but, but, but oh, okay. that's not. Oh, that, yeah, that, that I was. Didn't, I didn't know where you were going with that. No, 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 just the end of the end of Iron Man. Okay, uh, got it. But then, <laughs> thank you, thank you for watching me on that one. But also, it was also it was nearly the same shock for me when I saw they did J. Jonah Jameson without the hair and just going full bald. Like, give him mm. the wig, give him the damn wig. He needs yeah. the wig. All right, uh, Nez. Now for your first round pick, Iron Man. <laughs> speaking of the devil <clears throat> iron man we're talking the one that started it all the nick fury in tony stark's house talking about the avengers initiative just launching everything starting the whole cinematic universe that's my pick 
stole my pick. God damn it. I thought that was going to get to me. That would have been my number one overall pick. Like the Avengers initiative, just hearing those two words from Dick Fury kickstarted the next 28 projects for the MCU. Mm -hmm. And who knew it was going to turn into like the monster that it is today. And it was Mm -hmm. the first of like many iconic post-credit scenes from uh, Samuel L. Jackson. One guy who's made probably a total of, I mean, hour and a half maybe of screen time in all these movies and has probably made arguably alongside Robert Downey Jr. Chris Evans, the most money. <laughs> yeah. And I'd say, so he has an hour and a half. Let's say, let's say hypothetically, it's an hour and a half of screen time. I'd say half an hour of that is in post-credit scenes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like he's in so many of them. Mm-hmm. Big time. I, yeah. So this was my number two. I will say though, since this was the first, how many people actually stayed for the post-credit scenes? Cause they knew about it. Probably very little. That is my thing. I like seeing these post-credits scenes in theaters and you're walking out right after you see it. I, I bet a lot of people didn't actually see it in the theater. I watched Iron Man for the first time at my house and I saw it. Well, what so, I'm talking about in the theater. No, yeah, no, I, so it, I, I yeah. can't really relate. It wasn't established, the MCU right. tradition of staying in exactly. the theater. But it's not like it was un, completely unheard of. Right. And it's, and it's, you're right. And it's so satisfying to watch now when you rewatch right. Iron Man. It's like, wow, this really started everything. It's the it's granddaddy a, of them all. It's a good, it's a good, <laughs> exactly. Feeling. Yeah. Good uh, so now we go on to uh, the third pick, my first rounder. I'm going to take two from the same movie. I'm going both from the Avengers. I'm going first, as I want this down as my first rounder. I want the shawarma scene as my first round pick for post credit. First round pick ahead of my next pick. All right. This one is a subtle, it's a second post credit. It means nothing towards the future of the MCU, but it kind of gave off the vibe of this universe, how much fun it is and how like relatable they want these characters to be. Um, and I thought it was just kind of funny. Cause like you just had this massive blockbuster, arguably the most ambitious movie in blockbuster history and how they end it. They're just chowing down on some shawarma. Just challenge downs with Swarma that Tony Stark hinted at earlier in the film. So I'm going to go with that as my first rounder. I'm going to buddy it up with Thanos' introduction in Avengers. I had no idea who this dude was when I first saw him. I was not a, like, a huge enough Marvel fan where I was familiar with Thanos. I knew a lot of the Spider-Man bad guys and the Daredevil bad guys. But Thanos, I was like, I was intrigued. I'm like, who is this guy? You find out he is the big bad. He ends up becoming the biggest villain in arguably comic book history alongside the joker i'm gonna go first the avengers post credit says my first two picks nice those, those are great picks those are great shawarma is great you know captain america has a uh i think he has like prosthetic jaw or something on during that yeah because he's, he's a beard for, for snow piercer yeah really he, I yeah didn't so he was, co- he was not covering even his even. face like this yeah and it's it once again that's like a, such a great scene to watch back in terms of i'm talking about thanos one now and like, just say, wow, this is like the first time we see him. We get hints of him throughout the movies. You only see him in one other movie before Infinity War in actual form. And he looks, it's, it's fun to like compare how he looks and th- uh, then the final product in Infinity War and Endgame. Yeah, very uh, purple. <laughs> very very purple. purple. And also shawarma, so underrated. Shawarma is amazing. <laughs> I love shawarma. I love it. Can't go wrong. Both of you guys turned me on to shawarma. I didn't, I've never had, like, you guys are the ones who said, Dave, you have to have shawarma. You have to have shawarma. I've, I've had it on numerous occasions with 
Nez. I'm not sure if I've had a Ricky Flex before. They used to have the 399 special at our college at that place around the corner. Four dollars. You get chicken shawarma and a can of soda. Let me know when you beat that deal. <laughs> Shout out CCSU. Uh, Ricky, I mean, sorry, Nez, your second round pick. So this one, it came at a very, very hard time for me emotionally. And I'm talking about post-credits, Infinity War, um, Nick Fury fading into dust, but kind of sending that beacon over to Captain Marvel. Um, so although we were all very sad, we were all very disappointed in the move at the end of that movie, the post-credits scene offered a little bit of, you know, oh, maybe some somebody will save. I mean, if you didn't do your research, if you did your research, you knew it was gonna be Captain Marvel, but then but you know, you're like, oh wow, maybe there is something out there that's gonna fix all this. I mean, it's a superhero movie, so usually that that's what happens anyways. But um, you know, that was a cool teaser, and then also it was kind of cool when he said, um, mother and he starts to like yeah. say like that signature samuel jackson statement but he fades away too quickly so that's my pick i think what i like most about this this is like before the captain marvel movies you're like oh my god this is the savior for the avengers and you were looking forward to brie larson it, yeah. like for me I, i've lost a little bit of luster just because i've grown to like not enjoy the captain marvel character as much as i play as i was going to but in the theater this moment was absolutely electric like and i know all these kids were crying leaving infinity war like spider-man's dead oh my god and like all the like everyone's freaking out and everything and they said oh we have a glimmer of hope and then you had all the little kids going like what is that logo what is that logo it piqued their interest next thing you know you got another billion dollar movie leading into avengers endgame mm. yeah you guys said it all right, Flickstar, second round pick. Okay. So I know I have two here, but I really I'm toying with three. Um, well, I, I'll kind of just piggyback off of that. I'll go Captain Marvel, a movie I don't like, but Carol Dan, uh, Danvers going back to Earth asking where's Fury and basically setting up Endgame to the rest of the, Avengers. the Avengers. Yeah. So I'm going to do that one just kind of building off of Ness's last pick. And then after that, I'm going to go. I'll go Iron Man to Colson in New Mexico with Thor's hammer um, leading into the next Marvel movie in Thor, just seeing Thor's hammer there. That was a sight to see. That would be my third pick. The recognition of another Marvel hero. Cause people forget one of the big ones. The Marvel Cinematic Universe starts off obviously with Iron Man, got the Incredible Hulk, which everyone forgets about. Then you have Iron Man 2. <laughs> like there was not another established hero. You had two Iron Mans before you really had another hero that came into the MCU. And so when you saw Thor's hammer, you're like, holy crap, here we go. And like literally, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Great pick. Yeah. Right, now a lot on. of these, a lot of these um, post-credit scenes are used to tease the next mo big movie or the next character that's going to be coming in. So um, Thor obviously, obviously became a huge, huge deal in, um, you know, in the cinematic universe, uh, even after they kind of missed on the first two, in my opinion, I didn't really like them that much, but they are very important movies to the actual story as a whole. Big time, big time. Uh, Naz, round to your third rounder. 
all right, this, I, I put this as my number one to start. And then I started to like really think, and I was like, okay, maybe, maybe this is, shouldn't be number one, but getting in at round three, I think is great value. I'm going with guardians of the galaxy dancing plant group nice. and post end credit scene where he's just dancing around and then Drax looks over and he would stop and he's dancing around. It's just cute. It's fun, lighthearted, great way to cap off a movie that, you know, really became a huge hit with all of the fans um, and also a great character. So, and he's alive, like, cause he like literally died. Right, like, yeah, you th- you thought, oh, exactly, oh, he yeah. died. And then it's, I want you back. Like match the vibe, mm-hmm. great cap off to that movie that you said was a, the big surprise of, wow, this arguably is the best Marvel movie. So uh, great pick. I love it. And Drax is just being Drax, just sharpening his blade or cleaning it or whatever while mm-hmm. Bruce is trying to avoid it. Him seeing him, love it. And this goes into the category of like MCU post credit scenes that are like more for the fun of it. And they're rather more, rather than introducing a character, tease the next movie. That's what the Guardians of the Galaxy, if you think of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, they have five post credit scenes. Only one really is important with teasing the future of the MCU, but it just shows that sometimes you can, these can just be for entertainment and just have fun with the audiences. And when they give us five, it's like, you know, they're not all going to be important, but uh, like group. Like he's got, he was like the fan favorite him alongside rocket after the first one, uh, mm-hmm. maybe the most memorable Groot scene other than on Groot. It's him dancing in the post credit. Vin Diesel, and then, baby. And then beginning of uh, Mr. Blue Sky, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Yes, yes. One yes. of the best movie intros of all time. One of the best movie intros of all time. That's a tease for a top How about all time? In the future. How about of all time? Now it's my turn. This is tough. This is tough. Ricky Flex, here we go. End of the third round. I will take. Okay, I'm gonna do a more serious one. I'm gonna go Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. A pick I've already kind of teased before. Adam Warlock, right? Teased in the MCU. It's the buildup has been kind of the suspense is kind of the the balloon of suspense is kind of aired out because it's taken so long for this movie to come to fruition. James Gunn getting fired, going to make a suicide squad coming back to make Guardians of the galaxy volume three. But uh, this is a highly, this is a casting we've been looking forward to the MCU for going on. What four years now with Adam Warlock. So will Poulter will be playing him. This is someone that we were talking about. Ryan Gosling, will he play him? Well, will you know, like just, it was just a fan casting galore. And it was all stemmed from that post credit scene, the most like important to the future of the MCU from the second Guardians of the Galaxy, which had such big hype around it when it debuted. Everyone thought that was going to be the best MCU movie that ever existed. Uh, it kind of fell flat in some aspects, but that's going to be my third round pick. Third round pick. So let me just type Yeah, this. I think you kind of, you kind of, you, you alluded to it saying just kind of the air from that tease just kind of you forgot about that tease because like you got, James Gunn wasn't on the uh, Guardians 3 project anymore. He went to DC, then he came back and you kind of forgot about the teaser until the Adam Warlock rumors started coming about for Guardians 3. And then you're like, oh, right, that teaser at the end. So that's why it's like a third round pick rather than higher. But I think it's a good pick in general. And then I'm going to follow that up with my fourth rounder. I'm going to go Captain America and the Winter Soldier, the tease of Quicksilver and Wanda. Una- Wanda's become such an essential member of the MCU. WandaVision was uh, the show that kind of uh, proved that the MCU can explore on other platforms. One to the tune of uh, multiple Emmy nominations. Catherine Hahn is now getting her own, has gotten her own MCU uh, deal from this and is getting her own show. So uh, yeah, I'm going to go with that as my fourth round pick. 
Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, very nice. That was on my list as well on my big board. Um, two very, I mean, Wanda obviously is the most pivotal one, more pivotal one out of it, but um, two really important characters that were, you know, end up coming up in the next movie. So <clears throat> definitely a, um, a great pick here and, and a worthy, worthy pick. I think I just called Wanda, WandaVision instead of Wanda. <laughs> I'm just so used to saying WandaVision. No, Wanda Maximoff there. So, it's yeah, too that's perfect of a name. Yeah, it just sounds so good. Uh, Nez, your four, uh, fourth rounder. So this one, I think, is going to be our second Spider-Man Far From Home post-credit. And this is the, the Nick Fury as a scroll. Um, so this one just threw me for a loop because it was like, oh, crap, I forgot that this was even possible. And now, like, in any movie, it's like you're just kind of second-guessing, like, is this legit or is this person a scroll? Like, a shape, are they shape-shifting right now? Like, you know, we don't know. So it, I thought it was really interesting to know that, number one, that could happen, just to be reminded of that. And number two, um, you know, it could happen to anybody. So you can't really, I don't know. It just kind of threw my mind for a, uh, a whirl. And also, actual Nick Fury wasn't there for the entirety of that entire movie. Yeah, that kind of pissed me off. that kind of pissed me off i'm like like it felt like samuel jackson wasn't samuel jackson in the movie (laughs) like i don't know why that was in my brain i was just like this just doesn't feel like nick fury was in this doesn't feel like sam jackson was in this Mm -hmm. and it's because technically he wasn't it was ben Mendelssohn. if you want to go through the technicalities and everything but uh i actually woke up while watching far from home last night and it was that post-credit scene that came (laughs) it was that post-credit scene all right so uh and i don't know it's it's interesting to see where because we know secret invasion is a series coming out with nick fury it's starring nick fury he's going to be the star and i was kind of like the intro like hey this is what's going on this is what to expect and like secret invasion low-key has one of the most electric cast in the history of marvel with names like amelia clark olivia coleman alongside samuel jackson it has you hyped for the mcu future to say the least definitely all right fourth rounder all right so my last two picks here Okay, I'm going to go first with Civil War when Bucky goes to the cryo sleep, uh, the, you know, the sleep chamber in Wakanda. And then you get like the Wakanda music and then the big panther, uh, the rock. And it's like your first introduction to Wakanda. And that's leading up the next year to Black Panther. And the music just got you going as you're exiting the theater saying, okay, Black Panther next year, let's go. So I'm going to go with that one in my fourth round. And then fifth round, I will go with what I think is the better Thanos uh, post credit scene, which will be Age of Ultron. And he grabs the gauntlet and he goes, fine, I'll do it. I'll do it myself. He actually speaks in it. I like it better. And he has the gauntlet. So, you know, and it's closer to the actual Infinity War Endgame movies. So I'm going to go with that one. Yeah, I'll do it myself. Like, you know, he's going to end up doing it himself. I don't know. I, I felt like it was just he talks another... too. Yeah, but that movie doesn't come out for another three years after that teaser, you know? But and so in like, the moment, it was very good. I, yes, I, I'm not going to say it was better than the Avengers one because after I saw Avengers, I was saying, like, holy crap, what is that thing? And I went on the internet immediately afterwards. And here, you know, eventually you're going to have. Thanos show up. He made an appearance in Guardians of the Galaxy and everything. I just like the surprise effect of the first one, and uh, it really had the MCU fans going. But I don't blame you for taking that pick. That's good. 
All right. Nez, we are on to your fifth round pick. All right. So this one, I think I'm going to go with this. Uh, I got a lot of options here, but I, I think I want to go with Guardians 2, Stanley talking to those random people and he's in the the like Watchers. you know the spacesuit or whatever and he's telling them that he's got so many more stories left to tell um i thought that was i i think it's just always cool to see stanley but when you see him in the in the um in the post credits scene it's 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 amazing um and this was you know was that his last appearance in one in, in them or no we had him on the There's bus one we have on, on the bus in infinity war mm-hmm. he was in red I don't think he was in Far From Home. Okay, so so it was, was one of his. Too, so. It was one of his last ones, and I thought it was a really interesting way because it's like I have so many stories left to tell, and then after his passing, I feel like it has a completely different meaning. But um, yeah, Stanley, looking uh, just just chilling in space, you know, doing what he does. And this that post credit confirmed every appearance by Stanley was the same person. Like it mm-hmm. was Stan Lee. Mm-hmm. It's the same person, all these different roles, whether he's on earth or he's in space talking to these beings. It's what are those beings called? Ricky flex. The watchers. The, uh, the, the, yeah. So are the, 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 are those the watchers like from the what if series? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. I think that's gotta be what they are. Cut off there. Oh, aliens Damn. are back. Alien alien flicks is back. Secret invasion. <laughs> He's reconnecting. There you I go. Gonna, I was gonna say Stan Lee, like that. I think he I think he literally mentioned like the time he saw somebody. I, I forgot what he said exactly in that scene. He also said like he was he was Where are you guys going calling, or something? Calling, he was he was call, no, but he called back a moment that, that he had experienced earlier on in the MCU. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'll have to look this up, but he definitely recalled it, and that's how people were like, Oh my god, it's the same person. Um, great pick. You just totally robbed me of my Mr. Irrelevant. I thought that was gonna be the greatest Mr. Irrelevant of all time. Mm-hmm. That would have that would have sent us home so nice. But now I'm gonna have to go back to the list here. They'll go back to the big board. To end this draft, Ricky Flex, you might, I don't know if you're gonna allow this pick. Oh uh-huh. I'm gonna go with Venom Let There Be Carnage. That's gonna have to be a veto. Venom, let there be carnage. Is he not a part of the MCU? We don't know yet. Are you kidding me? But introduce, introduction. Could be the Sony verse. Introduction to Tom Holland Spider Man. Introduction to the 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 the, basically the problem that assume uh, presumably Doctor Strange starts, which therefore puts him inside the MCU. You can't give me Venom. Let there be carnage as a post credit scene. Could be this irrelevant. It doesn't have to be the MCU. It could be the Sony verse. Okay, but they're still relating to something that happened in response to what happened I, in the MCU. But why does it have to be in response to the MCU? I know it can because be. Because that's the it, reason he's in the multiverse now. I know, but what I'm trying to say is Sony could just like spin that and make it its own Sony-verse from it, which is a possibility. Ness, have you seen, I, I probably just absolutely ruined Venom Let There Be Carnage post-credit for Ness. It's okay. Ness Not a huge Venom guy, but... I think it's a uh, unique- is Tom Holland in the in the is Tom Holland in it? Yes, he is in it with J. Jonah Jameson. 
but yeah, you, then I call it. Then yeah, but, I, fine, I think fine. If you do that, then Adrian Toomes is in Morbius, and he so so Morbius but is in the in MCU. Sony. I'm saying it's this, these are effects same with Spider Man, but these are effects that have happened by what Doctor Strange did, and Doctor Strange is not owned by Sony. And what Vulture did in Spider Man Homecoming, which is in the MCU, that's why he's in Morbius. So you're making my case. No, I'm well, I'm saying if you're saying that, then you're confirming Morbius is in the MCU. That's what I'm saying. No, because here, why? So if there's MCU implications in Morbius, but Adrian Just pick Toomes, something else. A Adrian Toomes was from Sony characters. It's a Sony character. It's not, Same with Spider-Man. No, but it's owned by Sony. <laughs> but it was oh my God, owned by ownership? Well, then technically Spider-Man is not in the MCU if he's owned by Sony and he's in MCU, MCU movies, he, just like Vulture. Literally Iron Man is like conversing with him though. Literally Vulture is conversing with Morbius. But yes, but the vulture has nothing to do with this. But they're both. This, this all has to do with Doctor Strange. Fine, take it. I don't get it here. <laughs> if it's gonna make you that upset, I'll take another one. No. Okay, I'm taking it then. Venom, let there be carnage. Need a double veto. Ricky's not happy with that. My veto is still on the record. Well, it doesn't count. <laughs> no, but I still get registered veto. Okay, you're gonna have to count up all those vetoes that have existed prior to and see where it stacks up with your record. Here are the lists with the credit and post-credit scenes. Ricky Flex has J. Jonah Jameson in Far From Home. He has Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers, saying Where's Fury and meeting the Avengers. Uh, he also has Iron Man 2 with Coulson finding Thor's hammer. He has Civil War with Bucky entering Wakanda and seeing Wakanda for the first time. And then he also has Asia Voltron, Thanos saying, I'll do it myself. Ness has... As his first overall pick, uh, first round pick, Iron Man with the Avengers Initiative. He then has Infinity War, Nick Fury beeping Captain Marvel. Uh, his third rounder, he's got Guardians of the Galaxy, the Dancing Groot. Fourth rounder, Spider Man Far From Home with the big scroll reveal. And then Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Stan Lee in space. Dr. O has the shawarma scene from the Avengers. He has the second rounder, Thanos, Thanos' intro from the end of the Avengers. Adam Warlock from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier intro to Quicksilver and Wanda Maximoff. And then finally and controversially, Tom Holland finally being... Uh, it makes no sense. All right. Why? Wait one second. Because, why? All right, fine. Is Venom, Let There Be Carnage, officially in phase five? What are we in? Phase five of the I MCU. Know. We see a No Way Home. No, it's, no, it's officially not. So that can't Not an MCU work. movie. It's not. Now you're so it's a veto. It's a veto for me. I'm leaning, I'm leaning towards Ricky Flicks now. Confirm the pick. Fine. It's not. Fine. I vetoed fine, it. Fine, fine. I got a better pick than them all. I got a better pick. Arguably a second round pick. Captain America getting unfrozen at the end Great of Captain pick. America, the first Avenger. And then he's like punching the bag. Meet Nick Fury. All of a sudden he's in the 21st century. There's a pick arguably better than my Venom one anyway. It's a great pick. Take that. I had it in the, I had it in my back pocket the entire time. I was anticipating a veto. I thought I was going to get away with it. Apparently not. Man, I'm a man of integrity. If you veto, you veto Captain America. Introduction, twenty first century. Fine, it's a great pick. That's gonna do. That's gonna yeah, trap it, flex. What are your honorable mentions? What got left off the list? We haven't had a controversial draft in a while, so that was good to get out. Um, all right, I won't go with all of them. I'll just say a couple. Uh, Ant Man and the Wasp, not the ant drumming one, even though that is funny, but actually the blip, the implications of the blip and the quantum realm and the implications for Ant Man. Uh, related to the uh, the rest of the crew, so I think that was a bit like a big miss here. I think maybe I should have picked it, but I don't know. 
Uh, I think that was a big one. You agree? That's a massive one. That is a massive one. It leads right into an uh, uh, Avengers Endgame. All right. And that was a movie. Everyone was wondering what we talked about the quantum realm, time travel. We knew Ant-Man and the Wasp were going to, was going to have a huge factor in terms of setting up Endgame, And it absolutely did. And a lot of it set up with this post credit. And you're like, how the heck is Scott Lang going to be a major part of this story? If he's stuck in the quantum realm, how the heck is he going to get out? And you find out thanks to a rat, he ends up saving half the universe. Uh, any other ones, Ricky Flex? Well, I know there's not a lot left, so maybe you say one and we can just go back and forth. Was this a post-credit at the end of Ant-Man where you had Michael Pena speaking very fast, teasing at the arrival of Spider-Man? No. There's only sure? two. Oh, Ant-Man. Ant-Man. Um, at the end of Ant-Man, he's like, Michael Pena's like, I know this guy. And it's like, he's, he's, is he's, it? He's, Man, I don't know. Like this kid, he said, blah, 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 blah. I, I put that down. I was going to draft as Mr. Irrelevant until I had the two, the one controversial one. But uh, I'm pretty sure it's a post-credit. He was like, he said, yes. You know what I'm talking about? I know. He He's just did he, he did that a few times throughout the movie. Like, he talked really fast with the like uh, sequence there. So, I'm not, I'm, I think I'm just getting lost. Man, I think that was a post credit. That's a good like, one, then. I like, I like, I was like, that was like the intro to Spider Man going into Civil War because Ant Man came out in 2015, Civil wow. War 2016. Hmm. So, that was like the teasing. That's when the Spider Man deal got done. Tom Holland shot his like, his right. role. Um, right, right. Dude, right. I was listening to this. Do you ever listen to the actors on Act? Actor series on Variety YouTube channel. Uh, the YouTube, yeah, I've only seen a few of them. I haven't seen a bunch. You seen, you seen the Chalamet and uh, Emma Stone one? No. So Chalamet was in the running to play Spider Man when Tom Holland was. Wow. When wow. like uh, Asa Butter Butterfield, I think his name is guy from Ender's Game. I think it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Remember him? So he was like the guy they thought everyone was going to cast, and all of a sudden this guy Tom Holland comes out of nowhere, but. In the weeds there, you had Timothy Chalamet thinking he was going to get cast following his appearance in Interstellar back in 2014 for Christopher Nolan. It's like a compelling interview to hear like what his career could have been and now the advice he's getting not to appear in these superhero movies. It's kind of wild. That is pretty crazy. What if we didn't get him as Paul Atreides? Yeah. Like his career, I don't know. It may, it may have turned out differently if he became Spider-Man. Definitely. Uh, honestly, I, Might be an I, Uncharted I, with Mark Wahlberg yeah. instead. <laughs> They like he like he's avoided the blockbusters. It's really taking control of Tom Holland's career. Like it yeah. absolutely has. Um, do you have any other post credit um, honorable mentions here? One that I had ranked as uh, just post ten out of my t- top ten was Black Widow, Yelena Vakalova oh, yeah, visiting sure, Natasha Romanoff's grave. And who do you see there? Some implications from the Disney Plus television series, Julia Dreyfus, mm-hmm. just showing up and get and. I think that's going to set up, obviously, like a lot of other MCU implications, like all these post-credit scenes d- d- does. But Black Widow wasn't is not one of my favorite MCU movies. I was kind of let down. But then this 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 scene, this post-credit scene, kind of like made me, I, I guess, happier coming out of Black Widow, and just it made me like feel like all right, it was worth it to watch Captain America and the Winter Soldier and everything like that, or Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So, and I like Julia Dreyfus so. That, that was another one I had. Yeah. The, between that one and Captain America and the Winter Soldier, like whether wh- whichever 
number one Julia Louis Dreyfus was shown up in, it had me pumped up because this is a new character. Anything they show me something new in the Marvel Cinematic Universe with a talented actor, it's going to get my blood going. It's going to get my blood right. going. It's right, going to get right. me hyped up, especially when you see them in person. I know we're coming off the Eternals review, and it just shows like with those post credit scenes, they really can excite you even more than the damn movie. It's crazy. It has this effect, but it's so true. Um, Man, if we really drafted, if we drafted the two from Eternals, we won't do any spoilers right now. Would do you think they are what what round? What if you had to look at both of them? Where do you think they belong in this draft in terms of all time? Okay, wow. So I was going to ask you this question as well. Um, I think it's top ten. Um, the first one for Eternals, I think, is top four. I was going to say, this is like a top three for me. Yeah. It's but, not just because of the person playing, like the character, the crowd reaction and the, the pop in the theater. Right. When this person showed up on screen is something I, I don't remember ever experiencing in the theater for an MCU post credit. I remember seeing, hearing some oohs and ahs, but this one was like, oh my God. Oh my God. I couldn't stop talking about it after I saw it. And that would have been enough for me. But then comes the second post credit teaser. And I was like, whew. This is also pretty good. It may, it's probably not in my top 10, but it's up there, Ricky Flex. It's up I, there as well. I would say it's, more, it's closer to 10 than it is to 15. Um, but no, and that's you've mentioned with the crowd reaction. It's just like, yes, Iron Man, Nick Fury one. That's yours and, and Nez's best. But I do think that a lot of people just weren't in the theater. Like, I remember when we saw Iron Man, I think we left and there was no one there. Like, they all, everyone left. So you, yeah. I think a theater reaction, that's why we love the movie theaters. Movie theaters are back. We said it before. They have a big implications or a big, uh, a big importance with these post-credit scenes. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about, I guess the second largest one was probably your first overall pick was J. Jonah Jameson showing up at the end of Far From Home. That was probably the second biggest pop I've heard at an MCU movie. I didn't get the experience like at, at the end of a, like Avengers Endgame with the huge battle and everybody's cheering on. I didn't get that incident. I had like a baby crying in the back, but I didn't have people just like cheering and like crying when Captain America picked up Thor's hammer. That never happened, but although it was like it made me want to scream because I was so excited. Uh, I never I didn't have the pop that this post credit has. Uh, any other final ones here, Ricky Flex? Uh, all right, and then some that outside of my top fifteen just be Ragnarok, Thor and Loki talking, like going to Earth, and then you see Thanos' ship, and then nice, yeah, that dude, that's not bad. That's yeah, that was like that was barely in my top fifteen, but then the one that was outside my top fifteen, excuse me, was Howard the Duck. Yeah, Guardians one. What that, a great Mister Relevant. That was my sixteenth uh, overall, but it could have been higher. I just think that we since we haven't seen him in like as a prominent role yet even a supporting role like i, I just couldn't pick it yet interesting i also had to bring up civil war at the end of civil war um spider-man gets his spider-man like uh equipment from uh tony stark he shines on the spider-man like watch or whatever and it mm -hmm. shows on the ceiling it didn't really mean much to me and it really didn't mean much for the future of the MCU. It was like a spider map or something, but uh, it was just kind of cool to see. Yeah. You get one more scene with Tom Holland after only getting 10 minutes of him in the movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's <laughs> going to do it for the 62nd episode of the drive-in podcast. Thank you for listening. Make sure you're following us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at the drive-in pod, subscribe to the YouTube. Okay. Let us know you're listening. We'll shout you out in the pod until next time. We will 